Welcome to Restoration Road Online. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So today, my goal is to help us see in a richer and more life-giving way that Jesus, the scene at the tomb, was not a robbery, but rather was a resurrection. Many different people have different viewpoints on what happened at that tomb that day. Some might believe it's a robbery or a conspiracy or a bunch of people who had like a a cult-like allegiance to this teacher 2,000 years ago that they couldn't accept the death of their Savior, so they contrived this kind of conspiracy where he was still alive. We kind of think of the people who still think Elvis is alive, right? Can be like those people, and you're like, you lost your mind. Elvis has been gone. We might say it was a conspiracy. They couldn't deal with it. It's fables. It's myths. It can be helpful if you need something to believe in, but that didn't really happen. That was a robbery. That was a conspiracy. That's one school of thought. Another school of thought, according to biblical revelation, is that Jesus, the Son of God, rose from the dead. And it was a scene of the resurrection of the Son of God defeating Satan, sin, and death, and offering eternal life to all who believe in his holy and precious name. I don't want to take for granted everyone here believes in the resurrection because sometimes the best evangelistic ground is in the church. I want you to see Jesus Christ as alive, enthroned at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and offering eternal life to all who believe in him. Not only life after death, but life now in him. Years ago, I used to lead a Bible study at a sober home in Wakefield. And I go down there each week and I would lead this Bible study. And I had my iPhone 4. I'm always like four iPhone models behind. I don't even know. I'm like a seven and a half right now. I don't even know where I'm at. I just know the battery takes forever to charge and it goes away immediately. And my kids steal my chargers and I can't stop it. So I'm at this Bible study and I'm teaching just the gospel and I put my iPhone 4 down, my iPhone 4, and uh, I forget about it. And I finish the, the study and I'm saying bye to everyone. There's maybe 15, 20 guys there. I'm saying bye to everyone and all of a sudden, I realized I cannot find my phone. And right away, I said, there's been a robbery. And I don't even want to tell you. I'll share you a little where my judgmental heart went. I said, can you believe these guys? They got a pastor here preaching the gospel, and they're stealing my iPhone 4. If it was 8 or 9, I would have been more merciful. And my heart went to places, and I, I began to get frustrated. And I'm looking around the, for this phone, and I'm thinking, man, this is a scene of a robbery. They took my phone. Then all of a sudden, I can't remember who showed me, but there was a pool table in the middle of uh, the meeting area that had a cover on it. And they pulled the pool 
table cover back, and there was my iPhone. And I said, man, I just saw this whole thing wrong. I just accused every one of you, and you have no idea. I just said, the audacity. These people are going to steal. My perception of the scene was all wrong, and therefore my affections were all wrong. And that happens many times when people look at the tomb of Jesus. If you see it as a robbery, a conspiracy, a myth, your life will not be changed by the power of the gospel of the Son of God. But if you see a resurrection by the grace of God, you will never be the same. Some of us have not ever truly lived because we never truly believed that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead. A man or woman is not truly alive till their eyes see the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I pray today that you see a resurrection, not a robbery. What do you see? Do you see a robbery? Or do you see a resurrection? Here's the journey we're going to take. What was the scene at the tomb where Jesus was resurrected? Why did the disciples believe that Jesus was resurrected and it transformed their lives? And finally, what does the resurrection mean for us today? I want to walk us through the scene of the resurrection so we can see it's historical and understand the, the context of this scripture so we can really experience this historical event of Jesus rising from the dead. See, they had went to prepare the body of Jesus because when he was crucified on Friday, they would have only had so much time to prepare his body because they adhered to the Sabbath law so much that they only had till dark to prepare the body. So they would show up with myrrh and aloe and different fragrances to fight the odor of, the, of death. So the women would go there to prepare the body. What would happen when they would bury their dead in those times is you would wrap with linen each part, each limb of the body. So they would prepare Jesus' body and put it in there and pour myrrh and aloe on for the odor of death. And they just prepare the body because they respected the bodies of their deceased. So they would go in there that morning just to do that. That's what they were ready for. He was buried in a rich man's tomb. Condemned men like Jesus Christ who were murdered like the worst criminals, publicly executed. They are not giving good gravestones. They're giving what we would see people can't afford. Maybe you'd have just something put in the ground or you'd have some sort of stone or something like that. He was buried. If you look at a cemetery, you ever see those big places that look like rocks? They almost look like, it looks like a small home. And they just prepare it, and it's got all elaborate sculptures and carvings. It's for, and you say, man, they must have been rich. They really prepared for their death. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. They might put a flag where I die, trying to budget for that. But it will look more like a poor person's burial. <laughs> this was a rich man's burial the stone was carved and hedged out and there was like a slab of concrete to lay the body and there was a stone that was rolled over the entrance it was quite the extravagant tomb and so they go there to prepare the body expecting a day of preparation of the deceased and what do they see they see that the stone has been rolled away that Jesus is not there, and Mary Magdalene just, she thinks it's a scene of a robbery. 
initially. She runs back and says, they've taken his body roughly, I'm paraphrasing here, and we got to find out where they laid this body. They took the body of our rabbi, of our teacher. He's, he's gone. And they run into John and Peter, and John takes off. And only a man who writes a scripture would put that he ran faster than the next man to the tomb. That's how I would write an epistle or a gospel. I'd be like, I outran my buddy. It was a beautiful stride. He says he ran there so fast that Peter got left behind. What is he trying to express in the text? He's trying to say, I loved my Savior so much that it drove me to run with all my might to see what happened. And when John gets to the tomb, he does not see the scene of a robbery. He looks, he sees the linen folded. Jesus was neat. He rose from the dead. See, we just throw our clothes down. Jesus folded them up, put them there. He sees the stone has been rolled away. He sees there's no guards. And when he sees that, it says he sees and he begins to believe. And I love this passage because it helps us connect to it. None of us have seen Jesus physically. None of us. But the scriptures say, the Holy Spirit says through the scriptures, blessed are those who have not seen yet you believe. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful miracle that's happened in our hearts if we true, truly believe that Jesus has rose from the dead. That is the best gift anyone could receive. And John sees that. And then you see this whole scene where they say, this is not a robbery. This is a resurrection. And the transformation of these men and women begins. So why did they believe? It, it goes even further than that. I don't know if you've ever been robbed. Have you ever had someone rob your house? I have twice. Let me tell you what they're not is neat. They don't come in and do your laundry. I remember coming home and it was just my whole house was disheveled. Do ministry long enough and someone's going to break into your house. And I remember it just you feel so violated anyone that's gone through like someone's in my house and they came in my house they stole things they went into my kitchen cabinet and took my handy snacks now listen if you're gonna rob my house don't be taking my cheese and crackers they took my cheese and crackers and they threw them on the bed you could tell it was a robbery I went in there and I was like this is a scene I didn't see like all my clothes folded up right so that starts their journey, and they begin to be transformed because they're like, something has happened here, something cosmic, something powerful, something life-changing. And this book and this account is written so that we will believe in the resurrection. Once again, you have to understand this is not what they were expecting. And then they would go on to see Jesus face to face. And I just want to read that passage to you John 20 19 through 23 on the evening of that day the first day of the week the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood among them and said to them peace be with you when he had said this he showed them his hands and his side then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord Jesus said to them again peace be with you as the father has sent me even so I am sending you and when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them these wonderful words, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. He showed them his scars. 
He said, this isn't just some spirit you're seeing. This is me in the flesh, risen from the dead. I love that scene at the end of Passion. It gets me riled up. I want to throw the TV. When Jesus just steps up and he looks with a stern look that the mission is accomplished and he's going to spread the gospel even more through the great commission before his ascension. There's just such a victory in it. It transformed the lives of all who saw him in the flesh. And you see artistic expression. They said his hands. You see the holes in them, right? And it's just wonderfully powerful that Jesus rose in the flesh. And it, it transformed their lives. If someone truly believes in the resurrection, it transforms their lives. See, religion doesn't transform a life. Dead religion doesn't transform a life because it's just another system to follow so we can make ourselves look self, uh, more self-righteous or more moral or appease our conscience. See, the gospel is totally different. It, it makes a man or a woman come undone because they realize that Christ has conquered Satan, sin, and death and rose from the dead to give eternal life and he's made us alive through the Spirit and you begin to be transformed. You can't see a risen Christ and not be transformed. You can't believe at that level and be the same. And these men and women were changed eternally. They turned from cowards into the courageous, from the possessed into those who are preaching the gospel where people received the Holy Spirit. Many of them went from robbers to those who would give generously to all, those who were extremely selfish and narcissistic to those who would give their lives for others and understood it was better to give than receive. See, that's what happened when the Holy Spirit, uh, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit changes you, amen? You can't see this and not be changed. Let's look at Peter. What a coward. What a coward. Not one denial, not two denials, but three denials that were forecasted by Jesus. You'd think if Jesus gave him a heads up, he'd be ready not to deny, right? No, because the human nature is a coward. But what God was doing was very graceful, and, and God does this too in our life. We, we might think we're something, and he puts situations in our life that realizes that we, we realize we're nothing. We realize we're weak and we're frail and we're sinful and that causes us to cast ourselves and our burdens on Jesus Christ and that's when God can really work with you. If you think you're something, you're going to waste your life. If you become undone by the grace and the glory of Jesus Christ, you begin to become transformed in Peter's ego, his pride, everything he thought he was. What did he say to Jesus? He said, Jesus, I'll never back down. I'm paraphrasing. That's Bostonian um, translation. When they came to get Jesus, he's the one that grabs the sword and cuts off the ear. He seems courageous, but it was exterior courage. It wasn't interior courage. He couldn't receive that till he realized that he was weak beyond his belief. And he needed the grace of God and the power of Christ to become his strength. And he was transformed by the resurrection. One of my friends, when I asked him, when they came to Jesus, I said, what really turned your heart to believe in Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. He said, I heard a pastor preach once how these men and women's lives would change, and it just hit me. He said, if it was really a myth or a fable, when they were about to hang me upside down or kill me or execute me or run me through with a sword or take my head, I would have said, my fault, man. I had trouble letting go. I made up this story. I would have given in. He said, the fact that they 
stood until death and they gave their lives showed that they really saw Jesus face to face. At the beginning of John, it says, we're witnessing, we, we saw him risen. We ate with him, we, we touched him, we heard his voice, we saw his face, and this is why we will give our lives. And that's why the early church was established, because they saw the risen God. And that's why roughly two billion people today believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God. If you believe in Jesus today, you are in good company. Now, what does this mean for our lives today? I just, I want to give us two things what this means for our life today. The fact, see the whole God is one, yet he exists in three persons. We call that the doctrine of the Trinity. And every member of the Trinity was involved in the resurrection of the Son of God. God the Father looked down and he saw that Jesus was sinless, perfectly loving, and perfectly died for the sins of the world and the sins of all who believe in him. And he certified that the death was sufficient certified lamb of god the death is sufficient and the holy spirit breathed life into the dead body of jesus and he rose from the dead and the son of god stood up in victory offering eternal life to all who believe when the witnesses when the disciples when many hundreds of people saw Jesus rose from the dead, it spoke this word, your sins are really forgiven. If Jesus stayed in the tomb, our sins are not forgiven and we are under the wrath of God. But because he rose from the dead, it means our sins really are forgiven eternally. Isn't that great news, Restoration Road? Imagine a woman like Mary Magdalene who was oppressed by seven demonic spirits and delivered by the power of Jesus Christ and told that she is loved and forgiven and a child of God and called into the community of Christ. Imagine what she might have been going through when she thought that he was dead in the grave. She might have said, it wasn't true. I'm not really forgiven. I'm still filthy. I'm still nothing. I'm still worthless. I still have no purpose. But when she saw the face of the risen Christ, everything changed. And she said, it is true. I am forgiven forever and loved by God. Wow. That never gets old. And that will ring into eternity. Amen. Do you believe that your sins are forgiven because Christ rose from the dead? Secondly, the resurrection means heaven for all who believe in him. You know, people's picture of heaven is a funny thing. I can't give away TV series I watch because I get in trouble because I preach them from up here and you haven't watched them yet. So you condemn me after. So I'm going to do my best with this one, okay? I'm watching this series recently. I'll talk in code. And first of all, it had one of the worst characters that me and my wife have ever witnessed on a TV series. 
this person bothered us so much that we watched in torture for 10 episodes. You ever been in so far into a series like, man, I have to finish and I don't even want to. Let's go. Come on. So we got to finish this series. So this person ends up dying at the end and gives some humanistic, poetic narrative of what heaven is. In their scene of heaven, this is what they said. It's whatever you make it. We each have our own individual heaven. And one thing I noticed about this person's heaven was God wasn't there. I was like, what kind of heaven (laughs) is that? It was just this person in a romantic interest. You know how that goes. In a world that makes romance the most, romance is God. That was this person's heaven. I said, man, that ain't a good heaven. (laughs) Because God is not there. Because you don't see Jesus face to face the beautiful vision of our Savior. What you want more than anything is to see the face of God without faith. And then, out of an overflow of being in the presence of God and seeing God, you love having all your family who believes in Christ and all the saints and all Old Testament heroes and all your loved ones and friends who have passed who were in Christ. That's part of heaven. But the greatest treasure in heaven is God. And the resurrection means that we will see God face to face. I went to a funeral years back. And what really I loved about this funeral is it was a celebration. That might sound funny, right? But it was a celebration. Each person got up and said how this man impacted their life to follow Jesus. We sang worship songs. We sang this man's favorite worship songs because he used to lead worship. His children got up and talked about him and those who loved him. And there was just great hope. And to a degree, every person who dies who is in Christ and believes in Christ, we should not grieve as the world grieves. Like we will never see our loved ones again. People grieve like that who have no faith. Yes, there's some grieving, but the grieving is more felt by us who are left behind. Because when our loved ones go into the presence of God, it's kind of like I was thinking about, I never scuba dived. A scuba dove? What is it? I don't know. Scuba dove. I just heard one comedian say, it's not what you think, because when you watch on TV, it just looks beautiful. They're just seeing all these beautiful fish coming out. He said, I got down there. All I could see was this. I was just like walking on the bottom. You know, he says, it's not what you think. But you ever seen those movie scenes where someone's, it, why do they never have their oxygen tank right? Uh, just, they got to figure that out in the movies. Someone's always losing oxygen. What's the other person do? They're like trying to get them to the top. But there's such a relief when they're underwater because they're like, I can breathe. You see the panic, then they can breathe. But it's still kind of like, that can't be that comfortable. You're not like enjoying yourself. But when they come out of that water, it's like, it's like they never breathed before. Just, just breathing in that air. I thought about, that's kind of like what it's like living here on earth. I feel like Jesus has me with an oxygen tank. Like he's like, 
the world's broken. There's a lot of pain. People are dying. There's disease and war. I'm getting oxygen and I'm enjoying it. But it's going to be nothing like when I pass from death to life and breathe all the air of eternity. We ain't even breathing spiritually yet. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. There'll be colors you've never seen. People you didn't even think were going to make it into heaven. You'd be like, you made it, dog. It's going to be rejoicing like never before. And we're going to be in the glory of God because the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what the resurrection means we we don't have to be afraid of death it has no sting it's greater than this life we haven't even fully lived yet till we've seen the face of god in the heavenly realms do you believe it was a robbery or a resurrection i pray that you see the son of god risen from the dead today for the forgiveness of our sins and for future life in him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much for the cross and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. There is no one like you, Jesus. You are matchless. Your name is above all names. That you would give life to sinners like us and make us righteous and innocent and loved through your gospel. We are eternally grateful and will worship you forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Sunday's sermon at Restoration Road. We hope it blessed you and invite you to join us for next service at 10 a.m. on Sunday. God bless.